This is Texas Tim with this new edition of Holy Commutes. Uh, this is Tuesday, and um, I have a great guest on tonight. Some of you know know him. Some of you don't know him. Some of you love him, and probably a few of you hate him. But uh, I'm really excited to have this guest on. I, I uh, wanted to get him on here for a few weeks, and now it's come into July, where we have the Holy Commutes podcast uh, gearing up again. We're right in the midst of a heavy wiffle ball season. Uh, I want everybody to uh, say hello. Uh, well, you really can't because we're on a podcast that's taped, but I have Anthony Diaria on with me. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, no problem, Tim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Diaria, am I saying it correctly? Is it, and what is the nationality of the name? You know what? It's close enough. It's, it's Diaria. D- I suppose it's Diaria. Diaria. Uh, and it's Italian obviously we have vowels so that makes it italian yeah uh, and we have apostrophes which are useless but they are there they're important but yes uh my family's from southern italy originally moved to new york in the early 1900s and um, lived in brooklyn and then my parents moved out to the island and now i'm here so have you been able to trace your uh genealogy back to the immigrants coming over yeah, I actually, uh, I went to Italy in 2006, and uh, I had aunts that, that had gone like maybe 10 years before that, and they gave me all this like family tree information. So I basically went to uh, the two different towns where I went to one town where my mom was from, a town called Gragnana, which is up in kind of like the mountains, and it's like where all the macaroni factories are. There's a very famous macaroni factory called Garofalo Macaroni, which is actually on my father's side, uh, my father's mother. Uh, was a descendant of that family so I had gone over there and tried to like you know explore some some details but no one really knew what was going on because it had been a very long time the company had been sold um, and then recently in 2000 and oh boy 18 I guess we I had gone back to Italy with some friends and I went to my father's town uh, a town called Castellamare di Stabio which is uh, on the water uh, right in the in the area of Naples in southern Italy and that was a lot of fun because the Dioria name is a very popular name there. It's like 20% of the people who live there have the last name Dioria. And so there's a supermarket, there's a jewelry store, all these different places that say Dioria on it. So that was that was really, really cool. Do you like Italian food? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you- Not Olive Garden. I refuse to go to Olive Garden, even though the all-you-can-eat salad breadsticks is very enticing. Um, but I will not go to Olive Garden and support that type of Italian food. So do you have your favorite places around where you live now that you go, man, this place is really good? Uh, what's the name of it now? I forgot. Oh, there's, actually, it's called Anthony's. Uh, Anthony's Kitchen in Belmore. Uh, excellent. Excellent veal chop. I had the other day. I've had their pork chop. Excellent. Totally recommend. Highly recommend. That's pretty awesome. Very small little place, too. Small place, small menu. That usually means they have good food. Yeah. Hey, so, so Anthony, tell me, I've heard people call you a couple of nicknames. Can you tell me what those are and what the origin is of the nicknames? So the most common nickname is Food Man. 
um, which was kind of a self-given name because everybody else, when I first joined Whiffs, everybody else had a man, 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 myth man, with man, gong man, Rick man. So all these mans. I was like, well, I want to fit in. So I was like, well, I don't have a, an interesting name. So I was do food man. Why not? I like, I'm Italian. I like to eat. And it was kind of a joke. But then it's kind of become not a joke. And people, that's what people call me now. Some people don't even call me food man. They just call me food. Hey, right. food. Hey, food. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So uh, I will say the last couple of years, I've been trying to put just put my last name on the jersey instead of food man. I'm getting a little older now. I'm trying to be more professional. Uh, trying to go more by my real name. But yeah, food man's basically the nickname. Uh, Fug is another one. Basically, is a is a. I don't really don't know the origin of that, but I know that all chat basically called me that. Um, I don't really particularly like it, but I also particularly don't really care because it's it's just guys being dudes. Um, maybe you've heard some that I no that no I, I the, I've out. maybe I maybe I blocked them out. <laughs> Those are the two that I've heard, and I I I'm glad I the, the know the origin, and actually I'm actually surprised that you gave it to yourself. Cause I'm just thinking, so in my head, I'm thinking maybe he likes to eat a lot of food and people just have just said, okay, he likes buffets or something. So they <laughs> jumped on and called him food, man. I don't know. I mean, it's not wrong though. It's, it's not an inaccurate. It, it is a little weird. I think most people don't give themselves nicknames. It's kind of probably a little uh, narcissistic, I guess, to give, give yourself a, a nickname. But I mean, I was like 22. What did I care? I was like, whatever. And yeah. now, now 12 years later, it's still, it's still kicking strong. So cool. Hey, so where are you originally from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Levittown on Long Island, right in the middle of Long Island. Uh, classic. That's actually where I am right now, uh, driving around to the different. And uh, then I moved to an area called Long Beach, which is by the water. And I lived there for about four years in a cousin of mine's house. Um, she had a beautiful house. And uh, I don't know. I can't really see myself living anywhere else. Maybe I'll move a little more out east one day because it's a little, a little cheaper out there. You get a little more bang for your buck in terms of homes and land. But you're also in the middle of nowhere. So I think I like living. I think I like living where I do. But yeah, that's basically, I haven't really gone too far. Never okay. Outside the state. So. Did you, did you play, and just real quick, you're, you're, you're a little bit choppy uh, right now. Uh, so, but tell me about any other sports or activities that you did growing up. I've been bowling my whole career, uh, my whole life. I've always been a bowler since basically I was four or five years old. I bowled all throughout high school. I bowled in college. I really bowled up until recently when COVID and they, they stopped, the, they shut down the bowling leagues. And I just haven't really got back into it because I'm just like, you know, I just want to take some time off and do something else. Um, I played baseball most of my life. In fact, I was working with one of my buddies today who I played baseball with back in the day. His father used to be a coach, and uh, we go way back. We were reminiscing this morning about how, how good it used to be. Now we drive by our old fields, and no one plays there anymore, and it's, like, really depressing. Um, let's see. I played football for about 30 minutes. That was that. <laughs> uh, that didn't last very long. I played lacrosse for about 30 minutes. So I played PAL basketball for maybe two years. <laughs> but mostly baseball, mostly bowling, and mostly with football. That's all right, so – bowling i have to ask you uh what is your typical average and have you bowled a 300 i have bowled a 300 only one wow uh i my i would say my best average one year in league play was about 224 for the whole year which was amazing i've never bowled that well before most of the time i'm around 212 215 i would say is my consistent average 
I've only bowled one 300, but I bowled two 800s, which a lot of people find a little bit more prestigious than a 300 because that means you were consistent over all three games instead of being really, really good for one. Mm-hmm. To me, I always thought it was easier to throw an 800 because throwing a 300 is difficult. You have to throw 12 strikes in a row. For to throw an 800, you don't have to, you just have to throw maybe nine or 10 strikes. Not that that's, you know, much easier, but you don't have to be so locked in for one game to get to it. But I do have, I have two rings, actually three rings, two, one for each 800 and one for the 300. I do not wear them in public, uh, nor do I know where some of them are, but I have them. <laughs> that's <great>. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, so tell, tell the listeners what you do for a living, what type of work that you do. I am a public school teacher. Uh, I was working in a middle school in New York City on the Upper West Side, but recently I've accepted a job on Long Island in a town called Oceanside, which is nice. It's really cut down my commute from about, a, about an hour and a half to 15 minutes. And yeah, I've been teaching. I've been a licensed teacher in New York for about 10 years. I worked in the city for six. I worked in other areas for a couple of years. And now I'm excited to start a new chapter here on Long Island. And it will be teaching as well? Yes, teaching. Um, I was teaching history in the city. Now I'll actually be more of a special ed teacher doing similar stuff but i won't be necessarily being the head teacher i'll be kind of behind the scenes pushing into classes dealing with students who have special ed have ieps and need all those accommodations and modifications and stuff like that so it's it's good i'm excited for to do something different if if you had if you have a dream job what is it um so my dream job would be to be like a play-by-play announcer it used to be for baseball and then but i've seen how difficult baseball actually is in terms of like talking and having a lot of things to talk about for you know three four hours at a time not that i wouldn't be able to do it but it's you know it's difficult and the games also have no time clock is our very famous friend he would say no time clock so i would prefer to maybe announce a game that i know is going to end at a certain point so that would make, lead me to hockey i love hockey i love how fast paced hockey is um i basically 10 minutes from nassau coliseum for the new islanders played i think i would do a pretty good job announcing the um the European names, <laughs> being uh, European myself. Um, but yeah, hockey, I definitely would love to be a, a play-by-play hockey announcer. I think that would be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, tell me what college or pro sports do you enjoy watching and who are your favorite teams? Well, so with pro, so pro sports, uh, I think hockey is probably my favorite sport to watch with baseball very close to me in second. I enjoy, I'm an Islander fan. Uh, I'm a New York Mets fan. I'm a New York Giants fan for football, and I'm unfortunately a New York Knicks fan for basketball. Um, yeah. But they haven't been good since the late 90s, which is now a very long time ago. So it's sad. In terms of college sports, uh, I love college basketball. I could watch college basketball all day, every day. I think it's phenomenal. It's very entertaining. Way better than the NBA. I grew up actually a Florida Gators fan for a couple of reasons. One, I used to have a, I used to have a vacation to an area in the Bahamas and it was like a time trip. So it was a lot of the same people over and over. And there was this family that was also like Florida Gator fans. And we'd always be there around March Madness time. And I, I just got into the orange and blue because Islanders are orange and blue, Mets are orange and blue, Knicks are orange and blue. So I was like, oh, Florida, orange and blue. Perfect. And that kind of just became a reason why I followed Florida. Now, you know, for football and basketball now, but locally, like I try to support the local schools. So like I'll root for Syracuse, I'll root for Hofstra. I went to Stony Brook, so I'll root for Stony Brook, even though they're not in like, you know, they're not really a major D1 school. They're more like, uh, you know, in basketball, they're D1, but like, you know, in those weaker conferences. In terms of other college sports, I've been trying to get more into college baseball, um, but I don't know. I just, it's, I don't know, it's tough for me. It's kind of like watching minor league. It's like some of the guys, some of the gameplay is just not very good. 
and again, it's college. It's not supposed to be professional, but I don't know. Not that not that MLB is any better sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> and that might be because they're typically is it's it's rarely that a northeast team makes the world series right so and maybe that has something to do with it with maybe fandom even in that whole region i mean you guys are hockey fans by by birth we're not down here right so uh, maybe that's the same thing with college baseball it's just really not a big deal up there uh, Notre Dame made it, you know, typically it's all Southern and Western teams that make the World Series. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I mean, Stony Brook, speaking of making the World Series, Stony Brook actually made the College World Series, I guess it was 10 years ago, 2012, I think. They, I remember they played LSU in the Super Regionals, and they actually went to LSU and beat the two out of three, which was oh, wild, because wow. um, they were a huge underdog. And it was cool, though, because some of the kids on that team actually went to my high school. They were from MacArthur High School. And I had umpired some of them when they were kids. Yeah. Hey, we're going to switch it over to whiffs. When did you first play wiffle ball and where? Generally, so I had, a, I guess, a few neighbors. Well, one neighbor, this, this, um, these two twin brothers, uh, Gary and Keith Meredith, they lived uh, at the end of my block. And they had a nice little side yard. We always used to play whiffs there. And then these other guys from baseball we used to play at, on his driveway. They had a really cool setup. Their friend Tim across the street had like one of these like concrete wall kind of situations. So it became like a fake fence. And then we used to, over the time, we would build these little like other to make the fence like higher in some points, kind of made like a little green monster, which is kind of cool. So those are the two spots I played a lot growing up. I mean, like every day at swim practice, we go to James Williams' house play with all day we would have july 4th tournaments and then at the other guy at the twins house you know whenever they had block parties we would go there and play we would put like the little glow stick you know the little thing that you crack it lights up put that inside the ball so you could play at night what wasn't very good but it was it was fun you know we were kids so love it love it love it tell me about the first tournament the real tournament that you played in and what was the name of the team and who played on it oh let's see i think my first tournament was a golden stick fast pitch event in 2009 mm-hmm. i forget if it was 09 or 10 and i played with didio and oh man i'm having a hard time remembering i forgot and because it, it was i was just filling in for the day it's not like i was on the team i was they just needed a body so i wanted to go down and kind of check it out and i remember i whatever team i was facing had ryan wood on it and the first pitch i threw was a nice hang and drop right down the middle that ryan wood deposited probably 300 feet in the air and I was like, man, I'm bad. <laughs> or these guys are really good. But it was definitely a combination of I'm bad and these guys are good. What was the and, name of the uh, team? I think we were the Risers. Okay. If I, if I play with, if it was Didio's team, we were probably the Risers. I basically was just like showing up for the day to play. But I remember it was at Cedar Creek Park in Wantaw on Long Island. And I was very humbled when Brian hit that ball. I said, wow, these guys are really good. And I've got all these years of playing in the backyard or in parking lots. Mean nothing. It, it means nothing when, <laughs> when these guys are out there. I've seen uh, I've seen you play in the Golden Stick Open last year, and and I also know that you pitch. So tell me about what are the best pitches that you throw. Yeah, Jose, like everybody else in yard, I try to throw a knuckleball now, and I think my knuckleball is decent. You know, it, it does the job, but just like any other pitch, it's got to be scuffed the right way. It's got to be in the right conditions. You know, like last week in our in our event here, you know, in the morning, the knuckleball was great because it wasn't that windy. And then once it got a little breezy out, the knuckleball becomes very difficult to control unless you 
you know, are like a seasoned knuckleball pitcher, like a Ben Stant or like a Mike Styles kind of guy or, you know, whatever, where you, you throw it a lot. And I would say my next favorite pitch that I throw the most that I'm most confident throwing is like a, like a finger changeup for a few reasons. One, like everyone knows you're going to throw a screwball or drop at some point and they have the timing down. So if you throw your finger in it and slow it down a little bit, it gets people out in front, get some ground balls, you get some pop-ups. And by no means am I a strikeout pitcher. So I'm looking to get ground balls and pop-ups. I'm not looking to strike people out. I mean, I, obviously, I, I, sh- I, mean, I want to strike people out. But, you know, we have to be realistic here. You know, I have a hard time hitting spots. I'm not as accurate as a lot of guys. So if I get guys to chase and get some ground balls and pop-ups to get through four innings, then, then that's what it's going to take and go from there. But the finger change is, is, a, is a good pitch to throw. You can throw it from multiple angles. But also sometimes it comes out like loud, like you hear the holes, you know, kind of like the wind going through the holes really fast. So people might think it's a, a faster pitch, but then all of a sudden it just like drops off the table or you kind of hit like, you really come in, hit the, hit the um, outside of the pipe a little bit. I would say those are my two most like commonly thrown and my most confident pitches. Yeah. Does Anthony have an arch nemesis in whiffs? And if so, who is it? So I have an arch nemesis. Is this somebody that, but you mean like more like somebody that, always beats me that i'm trying to beat or sure. somebody that i don't like and i want to beat them yeah, yeah either one and because that's going to lead into another question i mean i'm always wanting to beat bob you know can't stand bob yeah and uh he's just like you know we've been playing with so long and we know each other so well we've faced each other a million times so every time i see bob i want to beat him and i'm sure he feels the same way in terms of like somebody that I, I i don't know i really don't have any like animosity where i'm like oh i can't stand these guys i want to right. beat them well, like everybody wants to beat the enemy, right? And I'm—I beat the enemy once in my life, and it was up in Mass in a in a comeback cup semifinal game. But I beat them, and then we—I lost to somebody else in the finals. And I was like, "What a what a joke this is!" Like, why you finally beat the best team, and then you go lose to a, a crappy team like afterwards, like. <laughs> Just like it's just like such a letdown it's like so stupid but it is what it is how many times you see that in regular sports right you you you, sp- you put all this energy into beating the really really good team and then all of a sudden you have a letdown against the next team because right. you, you know you should beat them right what's the best team that you've ever played on who was it what was the team name where was it i think the best team i've ever played on in terms of success is probably the again forgive me for my years they 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 mesh together but i believe it was 20 i want to say 2014 it was the risers fast pitch again it was me anthony didio sean handel and this guy kevin Engasser. we were very good we made it all the way to the regional finals against the bombers which was kevin norris uh joe purcell uh pete slater who I now play with in yard and Phil Frisiello. Though that was the that was the time in fast pitch where your team had to be basically based on a ranking system. Everybody was ranked in in either as either a gold player, a silver player, a bronze player, a black player, or a white player. And basically, your team had to have a balance of that. If you had a gold, you had to have a silver, a black, and a white. If you had two golds, you had to have a black and a white kind of situation, right? So that's why the teams were were pretty balanced, which was great. And in our case, you know, did was our gold and Handel, no one really knew too much about his his pitching at the time. So he was kind of like a low-key silver. And then and, and Gasser was still in the league. He was a black and I was the white because I didn't really pitch. I just hit. And we were unbelievable. Won a lot of games. Again, made it to the regional final. We had beaten the spades of that time, which was like Dave Weggerson, Ty Weggerson, uh, their father, and Dan Earhart. And yeah, I would say that was the best team that never won. All right. When you broke into the whiff game, 
what player did you look up to when you when you came into the game? That's a good question. Because I think so many of us came in at the same time. I guess I looked up through a guy like Didio just because I know he was from the island and you know, he'd been playing with his whole life and he knew a lot of people. And I was like, you know, he was very educated about how to play. So I guess he was somebody I always tried to pick his brain about, you know, how to pitch, how to throw new pitches, what type of bat kind of stuff. I guess I could say I looked up to Didio a little bit. Today, I, I don't know. There's so many guys that are so good in, in a variety of ways, whether it's they're good guys on and off the field or they have superb talent. And I got to say probably Kevin Norris. And I say that because as good as he is, as the amount of success that he's had, he always has time to talk to people about whiffs. He's not like above it. He's not like, oh, I'm too good for you kind of situation where there's a handful of guys in this league that don't want to be bothered with somebody who's not on their level in terms of whiffle ball. But Norris will, you know, he'll sit down, he'll chit chat with the weaker players, the good players, the great players. That's actually uh, a very like good. talking to one of the guys, you know. Yeah, that's a very good ambassador of the sport when you have someone like that. This may this may lead into uh, back to him here in a second. I don't know. Um, all right, we're gonna go medium pitch, not fast pitch. Take fast pitch out of the, out of your head. You're gonna start a new team, but you can't choose any players you have ever played with. What three players would you choose? I would love to play on a team with Dnap Brian Dnapoli. Obviously, I would love to play with Norris. Yeah. Right. Because I would just love to see him in action, you know, in the sidelines, like what he's all about during a game. And I guess my third guy, I would probably pick. I always want to play with Gary DeVito. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, he was on 10 run rule last year. Okay. He's been on 10 run rule for years. He, you know, he's played in all the wiffle up tournaments. He's from New Jersey. Great guy. I would just, I would love to, you know, bat after him in the lineup. I think that would be a lot of fun. So Norris, Dean Ab, and Gary and me. I think that's an excellent team. I think that would win. Yeah. Tell me the best pitcher and best hitter that has your number. They may not be the best hitter or pitcher, but they seem to always have Anthony's number. Well, right now it's probably Kenny Jr. He, and it's crazy because he, you know what he's throwing. He's throwing some variation of some crazy slider. I finally got to him a little bit in the goal playoffs last year. But even, even that I, I, I wasn't confident. I kind of just like was a, I think he was, getting tired. I was able to poke some balls the other way, but overall he, he has my number on the mound. Um, I'm sorry. He has my number when I'm, when I'm batting. Definitely. In terms of pitching guys who have a hard time getting out. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I have a hard time getting out. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's tough for me to be like, Oh, well, this guy hits me well. Well, this guy also hits me well. This guy hits me really well. I, I, I'm just going to say the entire state of mind lineup of Kyle Kaminskis Matt Ventimiglia and and Jay Ventresca. Not so much Lanigan because Lanigan I've seen plenty of times and I've got Lanigan out and he's played on different teams. But those three lefties, Kyle Kaminskis, Matt Venti, and Jay Ventresca. I mean, yes, those are three some of the uh, three of the top hitters in the league. Very frustrating. No matter what I throw, they they just seem to look at every ball that's a ball and every that's a strike they they hit for a home run or a double they're always hard hit balls they very rarely hit anything weak off of me they're always lacing the ball left and right so here's one i'm uh, uh you may have to think a few seconds on and i'm i've always liked to ask this question this is fast pitch medium pitch doesn't matter tell me a player that you've heard of before but you've never seen in person a la someone you wish you could have seen play or see play Maybe they're retired and you've heard stories. I would say uh, uh, probably Tom LaCasio. 
I, I saw him play, I wouldn't even say him play. He came down to like a, a mess around game one Sunday, I don't know, a couple years ago. But I didn't really, I didn't really get a good like look of him. But I would say Tom Lacasio, who, who's been around for decades playing whiffs, I would have loved to see him in his prime. Let's talk Golden Stick for a moment. You're you're one of the leaders of Golden Stick. Tell me. Tell me about the open, what the date is, and how people could, if they're wanting to get into the open, the Golden Stick Open, they don't have to play in any of your tournaments. They can just come to the open. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So the open is uh, slated for August 26th through the 28th this year. It's in Staten Island, New York, at Staten Island Little League's beautiful facility, uh, right over the bridge in uh, Staten Island. And yeah, like you said, it's an open tournament. So basically anybody, literally anybody can play. Um, but if you do play in the Golden State League, you basically start on one side of the bracket. And if you're not in the league, you're on the other side of the bracket. That's the simplest way to explain it. Yeah. And then everybody plays all day Saturday. Basically, you get to a point where uh, there's a certain amount of teams left Saturday night under the lights. And it's like a double elimination format. You know, depending on how many teams overall in the tournament will dictate how many teams make it out of that double limb to get to Sunday. It's always a final 12 on Sunday. And we go from there. You can register at any point. Unfortunately, our website is broken because of, but it's it's not working. So, but all of our social media is working. So anybody who's interested in registering, all they can do is either send us an email, message us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram saying, hey, I have a team for the open. I want to register. And we can just put you right through. And you can either send a payment through Venmo, through PayPal, Cash App, whatever you uh, they would like to do beforehand. The registration is always open for the open. It's never like, it's not like it really starts and ends. Right. So once the once our regular season ends in the first week of August, that's when we really start pushing like, OK, guys, you know, the opens in three weeks. Let's get all these names in because we want to be able to have the draw set and go from there. So we have basically this. It's the same format every year. Depending on the amount of teams we have, it changes a little bit. Hey, so a couple of quick questions. We're going to uh, uh, throw out a couple of fast stuff and you can just say it. You don't have to explain it. Here we go. TV shows that you watch. Currently watching The Boys, and I gotta I gotta uh, start the new season of Well that just on HBO. Those okay. Two shows. And I'm a big Game of Thrones guy, but so I'm looking forward to the new the new uh, House of Dragons coming out in a few weeks. Your favorite flavor of ice cream? Rocky Road. If you were a <laughs> if you were a comic hero, who would you be? Like what? Like what? My superhero? Be? Yeah, yeah. Who would you be? You could be an arch nemesis. It could be one of the other. The well, evil. I would. I, I to be honest, I, I would always. I would, I want to be Batman. I always wanted to be Batman as a kid. Big Batman fan. Awesome. A movie's going to come out starring Anthony Dioria. Who who is playing Anthony in this movie? <laughs> well, if we ask some of my students, it would either be Kevin James or Brick uh, Burke Kaiser, that comedian, <laughs> whatever his name is. I would say probably Kevin James. Okay. I would say that. Awesome. I think I could have played him in Paul Blart Mall Cop better than he did. So. There you go. What's your favorite type of food? I mean, I love Italian food, but I think I like, you know, I can always go for a nice roast beef sandwich. Nice roast beef, a little cheese, a little coleslaw on on a hero. That's always delish. Dream car. BMW 7 Series. Midnight Blue. Oh, got the color picked out. Manual. Favorite movie? Probably the, uh, the Naked Gun trilogy, all three movies. Wow, really? Those are those are those are fantastic movies. They're interchangeable. Those those you know what it is those three movies and Airplane, really Airplane one and two. Like those five movies to me are interchangeable. I can watch any any and and all of them at any any time. They're fantastic movies. That is, I would not have picked that from you because that's a, some of that's a little ahead of your time. 
well, they're there. Listen, I have, I grew up with old parents, so I, I grew up a lot watching stuff in the eighties and seventies. And I would say the major league movies, but I didn't want to be cliche and be like, Oh, baseball yeah. Major league. yeah. You picked a baseball but they're movie. All so also, but I mean, the naked gun movies are so stupid. They're amazing. <laughs> all right. They're just I, so great. I'm going to put you on the spot. Lou's not listening. If you could change one rule in golden stick, what would it be? Huh. I would change. Uh, I would enforce that if you hit a home run, you have to run the bases unless you're up like 10 runs. If you don't run the bases, it's an out or it's a single. That, that means opinion. something to you. Obviously running the bases well, means something. Here, listen, at the end of the day, there's no running in whiffs, right? We're always just, it's all automatics. And to me, hitting a home run, like you got to run the bases. And I think that if you don't, if you're too arrogant, I don't say arrogant because there are plenty of older guys that don't want to run the bases because of their age. And we can make a rule for that. But I think if you're 25 years old and you hit a home run, run the bases, dude. Like get out there. I love running the bases. And I don't think, I don't think some people view it as like disrespect and they're showing out the pitcher. I view it as you hit a home run, run the bases. You know, we're all the weird rules with automatics and when, when bases are advancing and, and runners are advancing, yada, yada, yada. The home run is clear. You hit it over the fence. So run the bases. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we tried it down here. It was a complete failure. Um, yeah. Well, it's tough when it's we, a fail. Listen, I get it. It's a thousand degrees and all that, but I don't know. Just like, I don't know, just grow up. It's a, it's a, it's a 12 second jog around the bases. Just do it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Anthony, I, I, <laughs> I, we've reached the end of our time and I've had you on long enough and I really appreciate taking time out of your day so you can go swimming. So it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and thank you for being on this episode with me. It's been fun finding a little bit about you and, and chit-chatting. And I'm sure uh, hopefully you had fun talking about other stuff other than wiffle ball. You know what? I was actually, that was the first thing I was going to say. I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate you doing this and you taking the time out of your schedule to do it. And I do appreciate that it was different. You know, we can always talk about format and uniforms and until the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you're right. What, what makes this league interesting and unique is all the individual players and i think you've inspired me to to you know start up the let's go sunday podcast again and and try to get some uh guys are beeping the horn over here sorry uh, and try to get the let's go pot sunday podcast back it up in order and and learn more about our player body because that is what makes the whiffs great is that everybody is so unique it, so yeah thank you for uh, having me on the show and uh, i appreciate that all right and everybody has a story there are people in your whiffs league that you know hardly anything about that they do something that you have you want you could go what you do that and you know you got a weatherman that plays right and so there's yeah. there's stories but everybody has a story absolutely i mean we've got weathermen we've got lawyers we've got railroad conductors we've got construction workers we've got teachers we've got birdologists we've got elevator mechanics and yet they all show up to play with football so that's always nice I appreciate it. Go enjoy the sunshine. Um, it's oh, it's 100 degrees here, not there, so that's pretty good. Thank you, Anthony, and I look forward to seeing you in August. Sounds good, Tim. Have a great day.